are you guys ready for the word? It's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. And I know we already asked you to stand up. Can I ask you once more? One more time. The word says, the word of God says like this, but we ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through the, our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good word and word. Lord God, we thank you for your precious word this morning. And as we open our Bibles, we open our hearts and minds to you. Lord, help us to have great and big expectations of you and what you can do in our lives. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you very much. Boundaries are good. Do you agree with that? But not always. When you set boundaries to God, that's never good. There's a story told about uh, the city of New York when it's, it was uh, being developed. The founders of the city were trying to figure out how big the city was going to grow. By then, they already had six streets. And so they decided that they want to plan, they want to plan a little map uh, to where the city was going to grow. And they decided that the city was going to grow until 19th Street. They actually called that street Boundary Street. Now we know that New York City, it's way bigger than that. Right now they have about 284 streets. So it's just so showing, showing you that these people were short-sighted. Their expectations about the city, the growth, were too little. And, you know, you can be forgiven for those kind of mistakes. They figure it out. But I wonder how many people have the same idea about God. I wonder how many people have God in Boundary Street. How many people have limited God when they pray, when they go about their lives, when they go about ministry? God, family, I want to remind you this morning, you can have great, big expectations on God because He is God. He never disappoints. In fact, God wants you to have an upgraded faith. So you can trust him in a way that you wait on him. You have great expectations and you have a pleasurable anticipation of who he is and what he's going to do. God is wonderful. And we were singing before uh, the last song. We were saying thank you. How many of you guys said thank you this morning? Oh, that's a wonderful word to God. So Paul is writing to Thessalonians. It's actually reminding them he, was to, he needs to reteach them to be thankful. Look what the, the verse says, verse 13, just the first uh, phrase. But we are always to give thanks. So this is the problem uh, that's going on at church. Since the first letter he wrote to this second letter, the church has accepted some false doctrines, wrong ideas about God. And since they accepted those ideas about God, now these ideas are causing them to expect little or nothing from God. 
They're not excited about their faith. They're not excited about God. They're not excited about the gospel. They're not excited about the second coming. They're not excited about the Bible. They're not excited. There's in their hearts, there's pessimism. There's hopelessness because they have, they allowed a different idea about God in their lives. I wonder how many of us have the same heart this morning. That we have stopped expecting from God the great things he is and the great things he does. How many of us don't expect God to save people anymore? How many of us don't expect God to move in our church anymore or his church anymore? We see this church in general and we're sad and we're, we have this spirit of criticism, but we don't expect God to move. And let me tell you, God is still moving. God is God is present. God is, he's, he is to be expected. How many of us are not praying the way we should be praying? And I'm not telling you about, I'm not talking about a secret formula. I'm just saying praying with the expectation that God listens and that he will answer. How many of us are in that place? How many of us have, have uh, just given up on our marriages? Or on our kids. Or on the person that we are trying to share the gospel with. We need, it's urgent for us to have, renew our expectations about what God can do. Can you say amen to that? And we can renew our expectations just because of this. We are Christians. We follow Christ. And we believe in the one and lonely true God. Can you say amen to that? That means that we believe in the giver of sight. We believe in the one who, in the one who walks over on water, who raises the dead, who stops the sun, the one who multiplies the bread, the one that's giver, the giver of salvation, the forgiver of sins, the one who defeated Satan, death, sin, and the world. We believe in that God, and we thank him. We give thanks. Give glory to the Lord for sure. We don't only thank God because he does all these things. We thank him because he is God. Just because of that. By the way, today, there's no notes on your screens. So don't be staring on the screens. Uh and so uh, I'm going to give you a chance to find Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21. Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21. By the way, who is excited about the time change? Raise your hand if you're excited about the time change. All the weird ones. <laughs> I'm not excited about it. <clears throat> but God is here. Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21, now to him who is able, now to him who is what? Able to do far more and abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him, to Jesus, to God be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all, all generations forever and ever. And we say, Amen. Amen. To him be the glory because he can do whatever he pleases. He is able. And because he is able, we can have this pleasure in just waiting on him. We can enjoy Waiting on God. We can move in expectation towards God because God has placed us in the right place to expect all good from him. He placed us in Jesus Christ. You are in Jesus Christ. And if you are in Jesus Christ as a Christian, God guarantees that he is going to come through. That he will be there for you. And you can expect God's presence all the time. Look what, this says, what the Bible says, verse 13 again. But we ought always to give thanks to whom? 
to God. Paul mentions God in his different persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in this verses seven different times. It is clear that he wants to teach the church not only to expect to God to move, but actually to expect God himself. Are you listening to what I'm trying to say? Not only to expect God to do something, but actually expect God himself. The presence of God is the best of expectations. The presence of God is the best of expectations. That means that when you think about God in his presence, sometimes I hear people say that, and I understand the reasoning why. I understand the feeling behind this prayer. God, we invite you here. But let me tell you something. Before you invite God, he's already here. He is present. Do you agree with that? He's always here, even when you don't notice him. He is present. That means that God is there at your office. God is there in your bedroom, in the school, in your house. In this church, he is present. He is here. And we can give thanks. Is it realistic to think like that? Oh, for sure. For only one reason. He promised to be there. Remember Moses and Joshua. Moses was serving the Lord and he will go, you know, to the people and then go up to the mountain and talk to the Lord. But Joshua was with him all the time. When Moses went up to receive the commandments, Joshua was there waiting for him all the time. When Moses died, Joshua took his place. And that was a big responsibility. He was a young man. He didn't know about leadership. But he was there, and then God came to him and told him this. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. That's a beautiful promise. He then recovered his strength and joy, and he said, if God is with us, we're able to do whatever he wants us to do. In the same way God spoke to Joshua, he speaks to us today. Because Jesus came from heaven and he went about to do God's purposes, God's ministry, his mission. And he did it in a great way, in a perfect way. And then Jesus left and then God the Father tells us through the Spirit, as I was with my son Jesus, I am with you today. As God was the Father, the Father was with Jesus, He is with you today for sure. It is realistic to expect God, His presence in our lives today, moving. For sure. How should we wait for God? How should we expect God? There's the, the Greek word for expectation in the Bible is apakaradokia. I dare you to say that three times. Apakaradokia. Apacaradokia, all right? I don't know if that's the real, real pronunciation. <laughs> but that's how it sounds in my mind. <laughs> the meaning of that word is to extend your neck. So you go like this. And uh, the, the idea of extending your neck to see beyond. But in expectation, you're waiting for something to come. You're extending your neck to see. I remember when I was a kid going to the circus. I didn't have money to pay for the circus, so I went under the tent, right? <laughs> I went under the tent, and I was way behind the bleachers, and I was actually doing that, apacaradoqueando. <laughs> I was extending my neck to see the clowns, to see the elephants and the lions and tigers. But also I was extending my neck to make sure that the police didn't catch me. <laughs> yeah. But I was, you're extending your neck. You're hoping for something. And that's the way Christians should be. We're extending. It reminds me of Zacchaeus. Remember that little guy? He heard about Jesus walking in the city. And he was too short to see God, Jesus because there was a lot of people around. But he was, he was jumping. He was trying to crawl under people. And finally he decided to crawl up a, 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 climb up a, a tree and extend his neck and see Jesus. Jesus saw him. 
Because God knows when you're expecting him. And he turned to him and said, Zach, stop waiting for me. You saw me. Now I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to give you my presence. Let's go to your house. And they went. And Zach's life was never the same from there on. He was expecting Jesus. And he showed up. He changed. He repented of his sins. And now he had a different attitude towards life. Even the way he, the way he thought it was different. And that's how we show that we're expecting God. Our attitude changes. We do things not expecting something happen, a miracle to happen. We know God is at work. We know God is present. And so we're saying, oh God, how are you going to surprise me today? How are you going to come through today in my job, in my family, in my relationships? We, we change the way we think because now on we're expecting God's presence in our situation. So we invite him to take control of everything. And we said, Lord, my only ambition is to please you. I don't know how things are going to turn out. But my ambition. My desire. Is to please you. And I know every single person here. Need to have that expectation. We need it. Lord my only desire. Is to please you. We can say that because. God has taken from us. The pressure of inventing things for the Lord. He already has everything prepared for us to walk in his will. You don't have to create something for the Lord. Everything has been created. Everything has been laid out. You just need to walk in obedience. So you can expect God to, 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 get, to take sorry, the initiative. You can expect God's initiative, what he's doing. See what the Bible says. Go back to our chapter. The second part of verse 13 says, Brothers, beloved by the Lord. Again, beloved by the Lord. Because God shows past tense, shows you as the first fruits to be saved, past tense, through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called, past tense, you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see how many times he uses the past tense? Today, one of the biggest issues for humanity is that they have misinterpreted God. They believe God is running in heaven trying to figure out what to do with us. That God is trying to come up with a better idea because his original plan didn't work. And let me tell you, family, that's not accurate. God took the initiative since the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Remember? It wasn't you, it wasn't me, it wasn't the church. It was God taking the initiative. He loved us. He loved you. He shows you. He called you. He saved you. He sanctified you. And he glorified you. In God's plan, you're in heaven already. In God's plan, you are with him forever. He took the initiative. You didn't wake up one morning and say, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to get saved today. You know what? Today I feel like repenting and changing my life. You didn't wake up like that. God took the initiative. He sends you some, somebody or he sends you a track. Usually he sends somebody, a weird person, to talk to you about Jesus Christ. Right? The person you don't like, that person, that annoying Christian, he sends you that person. Now you are that annoying Christian. Right? Now you're that person. That God shows, and you, the only thing you did is responded to God's initiative. 
And you can expect that. The same way God took the initiative to save you, that's the same way God is going to take the initiative to sanctify you, to bless you, to give you victory. God has taken the initiative. Your only, only responsibility is to respond to it. And to say, Lord, what is your will? What is your will? Before man existed, God already planned salvation. Before man wanted to seek God, God already pursued us. Oh, that's amazing. Knowing that God cared for us even before we thought about it. Are you thankful for that, Christian? And sometimes God uses, like I said, weird people to reach out. But also God uses bad circumstances to reach out. To put his initiative in motion. Sometimes God uses sickness. Sometimes he uses a failure in, in your work and your job. Sometimes he uses stress. But God is taking the initiative. So when people see that, they don't understand, and they say, oh, where is God? He doesn't care. But now we understand that the problems, challenges, even the unexpected in our life are not proof of God's absence, but are the proof of the initiative of our loving God. Do you believe that? The trials, the problems, the issues, the, the failures are not proof of his absence. They're proof that he is at work. He's doing something. When you see a building being built up, you see things out of place everywhere. It's not beautiful. When you see a mechanic working, all the play, all the area, all the cars dirty, there's oil all everywhere, there's grease, there's all that, but you know something's going on. Because the mechanic, the carpenter, the builder are at work. And yes, we see all kinds of messes around us. God, the creator, the designer, the planner, your God has taken the initiative to work in your life. You can bet your life on it. You can bet your life on it. So, if we all experience God's initiative, we should, all of us, wouldn't, we shouldn't be surprised when he intervenes. Shouldn't be surprised when something unexpected happens. Because we are sure God is in control. Actually, the defining moment of a Christian is when he decides to join God's initiative. The defining moment for a Christian, for you, is when you decide to lay aside your initiatives to start following his. Because his are better. Do you believe that? And as we pray as Christians, as we pray as pastors here at this church, we believe and we're expecting God to guide us and we believe that the initiatives we take, the initiatives we bring to you as the body are from God. We're praying for that. Easter and everything that we do and sometimes it could feel weird. Sometimes it could be challenging. But I want to encourage you, family. Trust God. Join in his initiative. We, for the, uh, because of the grace of God, are praying to plant a church in North Las Vegas pretty soon. We're super excited. And we believe that's God's initiative. Thank you. One people excited, one person excited. We believe that's God's initiative. I truly believe that. And God is going to do great things. In order for me to do that, I need to go out and do so. Go out, up, out there and, and plant a church. 
That means there's going to be changes here. Our Spanish ministry is going to be joining the English from uh, starting in two weeks. And, <laughs> it might be surprising for some. It might be sad for some. It might be, I don't care how you feel. <laughs> we believe it's God's initiative. And it's going to be great. Let me repeat that. It's going to be great. And we are praying like this. And we, should, we all should pray like this. Not my will, but yours. Oh, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, help me to place myself in your fountain of strength so I can be under your initiative. So I can be obedient. When we pray like this, when we feel like this, we understand that God will do his beautiful, mighty, and loving work in our lives. And God has taken initiatives in your own life. I would encourage you to pray about that. There's discomfort, there's pain, there's need, there's People coming in your life that maybe you don't want that people around you, but God has taken the initiative to show you that he has a plan for your life. Would you pray about that? Would you pray about uh, joining God? Remember the Bible when Joshua actually, he was about to go into Jericho and, and conquer that city, and he was planning he, I imagine Joshua having his chart and his strategy and his thinking and he might be praying something. And, and then the, 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 the angel of the Lord, which I believe was Jesus before he came in the flesh, he came to Joshua and he didn't recognize God. But he, Joshua said, are you with us or against us? How many times we ask God the same question? Lord, are you with me or what? Lord, I want to do this. Are you with me or what? Let me tell you something. There's only one team, God's team. Not your team. Not my team. We belong to God's team. And Jesus said, no, Joshua, you have it all mixed up. I'm not with you or against you. I'm the prince of the host of the Lord. Join my team. And Joshua said, Lord, he kneeled and said, Lord, what is your will? And then Jesus showed him the plan and they conquered Jericho. Maybe God has you in that place. Maybe you're thinking, oh, Lord, join my plan. Join my business. Why don't you make your business join God? Let's have our ministries join God. Let's our families join God. Let's help our kids to join God in his plan. And let me tell you, you can expect his initiative and his promises to come through. Amen? We can also expect God to stay the same always. Read what the, the, uh, verse 15 says. So then, brothers... This is the exhortation. God is with you. God has taken the initiative. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. When we read in the Bible traditions, we, don't, we shouldn't uh, understand traditions the way we see traditions. Paul is talking about the gospel. He's talking about the word. He's talking about the truth. For him, that was the tradition. That was the way of living. So Paul is given the church unchangeable promises so they can have unchangeable faith. God's promises are a reflection of his character. Let me repeat that. God's promises are a reflection of his character. What I'm trying to say is this. That his promises are true 
His promises don't change because God is true and he doesn't change. Amen? That's one of my favorite things about God. He never changes. You change, I change. We all change. But God stays the same forever. Would you receive that word for your life today? God doesn't change. Even when you change towards God, he doesn't change towards you. He loves you when you love him, and he loves you when you don't love him. Oh, he loves you when you say, thank you, God. And he loves you when you say, I did it. He still loves you because he doesn't change. His promises are true. So you can be sure that whatever you're going through, he is the same in the past, today, and he will remain the same in the future. The God of Moses is your God. The God of Abraham is your God. The Father of Jesus is your Father. And the conquering King that's coming is your King. He doesn't change. That's why Paul says to the church, stand firm. That's what he's saying, stand firm. Hold. Hold what you have. Hold what you know. Stay firm. You can expect God not to change. You don't change in your faith. You don't change in your responsibility. We as church, we need to take responsibility for our blessings. We need to stop blaming other people for our failures. We need to stop blaming people for our emotional disorders. We need to stop blaming people for our uncomfortness. God doesn't change. So we need to stay the same towards our Lord. Can you say amen to that? We are responsible for our blessings. We are responsible for our identity in Christ. We are responsible also for our mistakes. We are responsible for our failures. We are responsible for our obedience, for our calling, for our families, for our own church. We are responsible. We have a God that doesn't change. We are the ones that change. We need to keep ourselves accountable and responsible not to change for his glory. To keep the faith, to keep our calling, to keep the vision, to keep pressing on because God is near. We need to stay the same or better for our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, church, I want to remind you, God doesn't change. His commandments don't change. Society changes, but his word doesn't change. His promises don't change. You can trust them. His presence, his love, his power doesn't change. He's not more powerful today than he was yesterday. And he's not less loving today than he was yesterday. He is the same forever and ever. And the glory is his. Forever and ever. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he said this to them. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. I'll wait for you for a minute. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Isn't it fun to look in our Bibles? First Corinthians sixteen thirteen. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. What a powerful word. Let me read it again. Be watchful. Stretch your neck. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. In other words, be responsible. 
be responsible for what you have. Today, God is calling you to, to that. He has taken the initiative to bless you. Do you understand that? He has taken the initiative to bless your family, to guide you, to prosper you, to give you abundant life. He has taken the initiative to provide for you. Now it's our turn to respond. It's our turn to say, Lord, I will be responsible. You know, back where I'm from, Rosarito, Mexico, I, my house is like five minutes away from the beach. I do miss my house, especially in summer here. Oh, my goodness. But I used to go to the beach and walk and go into the water, which is freezing cold, but I enjoy it. But I used to sometimes watch the pelicans. Have you seen the pelicans soar, like just right above the water? It was interesting to me. I always waited for a, for a, a, a wave to kind of take him or something, but they never did. <laughs> they know how to glide. They know how to glide above the water. Who gave him that ability? God. He provided the wind. It's a, a whole science. I'm not a scientist. Maybe somebody here is a scientist. Good for you. But, you know, there's, there's, there's the current, and there's this, there has to be a specific, even temperature for the air. There's different things going on. So God provides the wind. But the pelican eats more than the wind. God gave him wings. But he needs even a little bit more than just wings. He actually needs to stretch the wings. He's not able to fly unless he stretches the wings. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? He has taken the initiative, God. He, gave, he, he, he created this beautiful bird. He, gave, he created the wind. He created the, the ocean. He created everything perfectly. And, but he needs to do something. He needs to be responsible for his part, which is spreading the wings. And the glory is not the pelicans because God gave him those wings. God gave him the ability, the strength, but he's just doing it because God has chosen to give him that ability. And today, God is reminding you that he gave you specific gifts, specific calling. He has placed you in the specific family, in a specific worksite, school, country he has provided everything he gave you salvation he called you he gave you the spirit he gave you the word he gave you a family he has taken the initiative don't expect god to take more initiative he has done it now for us is to take responsibility and spread our wings and that takes me to the last idea that i want to share with you we can always expect God to give us life. We can always expect God to give us life, to renew our strength. Read with me verse 16. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God of our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope, that means expectation through grace. Listen to verse 17. God comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. How many of you need comfort from God? Can you just raise your up your hand? Maybe you don't need it right now, but you will tomorrow. <laughs> we need it. We need his strength. We need his help. We need his life. We need his hope. We need God. We cannot do it by ourselves. Believe that, church? We need our God. Oh, how many times, and maybe you've been there. I'm sure you've been there when you opened your eyes. And you were expecting to sleep one more hour. <laughs> you opened your eyes and you said, oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> Have you been there? 
Oh, Lord Jesus, it's Sunday. Can you bring pastor over my house? And you say, Lord, just help me. And right now we're laughing about it. But sometimes it's, it's a laughable matter. Yes, it is. But sometimes it's super serious. Oh, sometimes you really don't want to face life that day. Have you been there? Like you say, oh, Lord, I really don't want to go to work. Lord, I don't have the strength. I'm supposed to smile and I don't have any smiles in me. Oh, Lord, I need to help my kids. And right now I'm so depressed. There's anxiety in my heart. There's this problem, this issue. Nobody knows about it. Only I know about it. Lord, I just, I can't. Have you been there? And you drag yourself out of bed. You said that little prayer. It's not a profound and holy and, and, and a theological prayer. Just like, just, oh, Lord, just help me. Oh, I've been there. You drag yourself out of your sheets and then go to the bathroom and you cry. And you say, I don't know how am I going to do it this day. But you took responsibility. Because he took the initiative to give you life that day. And you're up. You're taking initiative and you go out. Do what you have to do. And before you know it, the day is over. You thought you couldn't do it, but you did it. Because God, his presence was there. Because his initiative was there. And because even Though you didn't recognize it, God gave you his grace, power, and life, and you're here today Amen. for his glory. Amen. There's a beautiful truth in Isaiah 40, 31. I'll read it for you. But they who wait on the Lord, that means those who expect God, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. That's the word for, from God to you today. Expect God. Wait on the Lord. And he will give you supernatural flying. He will bring you from, from, from the lower places to the highest places where you can enjoy God. He will bring you from death to life, from hell to his presence. He will give you from slavery. He will give you freedom because that's the God we have. If you wait on the Lord, he will give you new wings like eagles. He will give you supernatural running. He will give you the endurance to persevere in your job, in your ministry, in your mission, in your marriage, in your parenting, in whatever you have to do. He will give you the endurance because you're waiting on the Lord Jesus Christ. He will give you the strength. He will renew your vision. He will renew your passion. Many of us need our passion to be renewed. Wait on the Lord. Believe in the Lord. And he will give you passion. For him, for his people, for your family, for your work, for your ministry, for your sports. Whatever you do, he will give you passion. Holy passion for his glory. For his glory. And he will give you supernatural walk. That means he will help you to keep faithful. Oh, Lord, just help me to be faithful today. Have you prayed that word? And he will help you to be faithful. He will help you to renew, renew your joy. He will bring you to those peaceful waters. Just wait on the Lord. Wait on Jesus. Whoever waits on the Lord shall renew their strength. God is good. He is present. 
He has taken the initiative and he is the life giver and he will give it to you today. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for your precious word. We love you, Jesus. We love you, God. We love who you are. The present God. The one who cares, who loves, who is, who is mightily involved in our lives. The one who came from heaven to earth just to seek us. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you, God, for your initiative. We don't need to ask you to love us. You already loved us. You don't change. You are the same now and forever. Your love never changes. Your power never changes. Your plans don't change. Your mercy is new every single day. We love you, God. There's nothing better for us than you. There's nothing more wonderful, beautiful, exciting than you, God. We stretch our necks today. We stretch our soul today and expect you to move in our lives, Lord. We're tired of just observing the world, allowing circumstances to put us down, Lord. We're tired of that. Now we stretch our soul. We stretch our spirit and we call unto you, Lord, asking you, to show up in our circumstances. Oh, I pray today, Lord. I know there's people hurting today. I pray you will heal them. I pray for, for healing. I pray for restoration. I pray for new passion for so many people that right now are thinking about giving up on their marriage, on their ministry, in their, on their family, on their own lives lord i pray for passion for vision i pray because you want to give it i pray because you're the giver lord today give us passion and vision take us to the higher place in your presence take us to the place of enjoyment the place of confidence awaiting in you Help us to be faithful, Lord. Jesus, oh Jesus, we wait for you and we thank you. I know, God, there's people in here that don't know you. There's people in here, they have heard what I said they have heard your word and it sounds attractive but it seems so far away from them because there's sin because there's unforgiveness because there's failure because they have a different idea of misconception of who you are but today I pray that you will deliver them from the darkness to the light from failure to victory, from oppression to freedom, from hell to glory, from Satan to Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord Jesus, today for salvation. I pray knowing that you're the giver, and I pray expecting you to respond. If there's somebody here that needs Jesus Christ, needs to give his life to God today don't wait do it today he loves you he has taken the initiative he sent his only son to save you to die for you he is here talking on your heart right now he this that's him talking to you in your mind and your heart and your soul he wants to give you life. Oh, He created you for glory. He created you for Him. Today, you could be His. If that person is you, if 
you want to give your life to Jesus, would you please stand up right there where you are? Oh, thank you so much. Keep praying, family, keep praying. I just need, we need to pray right now, family. Please pray. Is there anybody else that needs to stand for Jesus today? That needs to stand, keep standing, please. Is there anybody else that says, I need salvation, I need God? Please stand, I want to pray for you. Thank you very much. I want to lead you in this prayer right now. You who are standing right there where you are, God knows your heart. Just repeat these words, make them your own to Jesus and say, Lord God, I believe in you and I give my life to you. I am sorry for all my sins and my failures. I repent of all of them. I believe you are the Savior. I believe there's nobody like you. I believe your promises because you are true. And today I just ask you to save me, to make me yours for now and forever. I will follow you because you have chosen me. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Would you please give glory to for these people? Thank you very much. Hey, guys. I appreciate you. I love you. And God loves you more. Before the, the, this time ends, would you please make your way over there? They, this uh, prayer counselors, they want to talk to you uh, back there, too. Thank you very much, man. Give God glory for this, man. Family, stand up, please. Would you stand up, please? Let me remind you something before we sing. God is not only present here, He will be present with you to the rest of this day. Make sure you enjoy His presence. Amen. Love you guys.